Hey guys, good morning church. Um, just um, uh, Lent starts next month, so fair warning, uh, I'm going to talk about fasting in March, and I'm going to encourage us to fast. Maybe not like a 40-day fast like Jesus did, you know, but I will ask you to participate in some way. Uh, and I am talking about a food fast. Okay, I'm not talking about fasting from Twitter or from TV, although feel free to do that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I'm going to talk about fasting from food because sometimes we need to reset our hunger. And to do that, we need to be hungry. So that's just a warning. And I know that some of us have health issues, right, and that might make fasting more difficult or even impossible. But uh, so, you know, you have time to call your doctor's office and ask about it (laughs) and see if there is a healthy way for you to participate because I want you hungry and alive. All right. (laughs) All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your peace. Will you help us to hear your truth today? In Jesus name. Amen. All right. The third chapter of Matthew's Gospel, John the Baptist is living out in the wilderness of Judea. And he's been prophesying about the Messiah to come. And he's been baptizing people in the Jordan River. And he has a following. So Matthew 13, no, 3.13 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So, John the Baptist is in the wilderness And he's preaching a message of repentance. And he's offering a baptism of repentance because the kingdom of God is near. And Jesus comes to him to be baptized. And John knows Jesus is the Messiah. John knows he's not worthy to baptize Jesus. And he knows Jesus is true God. God is perfect. God doesn't need a baptism of repentance. And he says, like, I need to be baptized by you. You know, and you come to me. And it's interesting because 30 years before this, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth was pregnant with John, Mary visits Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she blesses Mary. And then she asks, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And they use that same kind of phrase, you know, like, you come to me. So John's words echo that of his mom. It's a humble family. Jesus comes to be baptized, and John tries to stop him, right? He questions. But Jesus doesn't get mad about it. You know, he doesn't say, well, how dare you try to stop me? How dare you question me? Because he knows John is being humble. And he corrects him, and he says, well, we have to do it this way to fulfill all righteousness. So John obeys. 
And when Jesus comes out of the water, heaven opens up and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. It's visible. Like the Spirit is visible enough to be described. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And God the Father is declaring to all the people who are there, John and John's disciples and followers, and anyone who's close to the river that day, that Jesus is his son and he loves him. He's pleased with him. He's delighted with him. And God doesn't say, this is the Messiah whom I love. He doesn't say, this is the Savior of the world whom I love. He tells us he loves him. He's his son. And he loves Jesus because of who he is, not because of why he's there or what he's going to do. And do you think God is like that with us too? Do you think he loves us because of who we are, his sons and daughters? Yeah. He doesn't withhold his love for us until we start living right. No. (laughs) When Jesus is baptized... He doesn't have a ministry yet. He doesn't have any disciples yet. And he hasn't been out preaching God's word or performing miracles. And God is pleased with him. This is my son whom I love. And God is revealing his son and his love to the world. Remember, we're still in the season of epiphany. And that's what we're learning about and celebrating. Jesus being revealed to the world. When Jesus starts his ministry and he has his 12 disciples and so many other followers, he travels around the region for a few years. He's preaching about God the Father and his kingdom and doing miracles and signs and wonders. And he did so many things, John's gospel tells us, that if everything Jesus did was written down, the world wouldn't be big enough to hold all the books it would take. And like that's such a, lo- a lot of books for such a short span of time. And Jesus does amazing things and he teaches the truth and he's countercultural and he is seen. And after a few years he makes his way to Jerusalem because he knows it's getting close to the time that he's going to be arrested and crucified. And right before they get to Jerusalem he stops and he talks to his 12 disciples. In Matthew 16, he asks them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I mean, what a question. And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, Jesus knows who God says he is, my son whom I love. So now he asks who the people say he is. And the people don't know. They have all kinds of theories as to who Jesus could be, but they don't know him. And they like his teaching and his power. I mean, the people do, the Pharisees not so much. But they like his actions and his words, but they don't know him. So then he asks his disciples, the people he's been traveling with and living with and doing life with, he asks, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And Peter has the right answer. 
You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And the answer didn't come from Peter's brain. You know, it's not his idea. And Jesus tells us that the knowledge came from God the Father. So once again, God is revealing who Jesus is to the world. He's the Son of the living God. And we have a living God. We don't serve a dead God, right, or a dumb idol. And when I say dumb, I mean like mute or can't speak. Our God isn't silent. He has revealed to Peter who Jesus is. So Peter says the right answer, and Jesus blesses him in a huge way. Right? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus isn't blessing Peter with this massive blessing because he has the right answer. It's because Peter is bold enough to say out loud what God has revealed to him in his heart. And has God revealed things to you? And were they things you were supposed to share with other people? (laughs) Were you always bold enough to obey? Not me. (laughs) No way. Not always. Peter was bold enough to say the truth out loud, and he's blessed for it. In the next chapter in Matthew, once again, God reveals his son. In Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So once again, God the Father speaks out loud. And this time there's three of Jesus' disciples who hear him audibly say, this is my beloved son. So before his ministry and during his ministry, God the Father consistently tells the earth, this is my son. I love him. I am delighted with him. But this time, the revelation comes with a manifestation of glory. Right? Jesus' face shines like the sun. and His clothes become white as the light. And there's like a bleach joke in there, for sure. (laughs) Right? So they go up a mountain, 
And Jesus is transfigured in front of his three disciples. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are there too. Like they're talking to Jesus. And Peter, bravely bold Peter, interrupts them. And I love him for this. Because you know he's freaking out, right? Jesus is glowing. Incredibly famous dead people show up to talk. It's a lot. It's too much. So Peter starts blathering on about tents. And it's painfully awkward. And all I know is that I would have done, like, even worse. There's no way I could have contained myself. Like, did you see that? Is that Moses? I would, I'd make a fool of myself. Peter interrupts the moment, right? Lord, it's good for us to be here. And I'm sure he's like, I know, that's why I brought you. He's like, it's good for us to be here. Let's live here. I'll build some tents. And God interrupts Peter, saving him from further potential embarrassment. That's just mercy. (laughs) A bright cloud covers them, and a voice in the cloud says, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then he adds a command at the end, an instruction. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's always a good instruction. And when we are listening, that means we're not talking. Listen to Jesus. Now, this would be the part of the sermon where... um, I would tell us to listen to Jesus, right? Listen to him when he tells us to love our neighbors and, um, and our enemies. <laughs> and forgive others so the Father will forgive you. And if you want to be first, you must be last. And take care of the needs of the poor. You know, all that good stuff that I hit us over the head with like month after month. But that is not what this sermon is about. And you're not off the hook for all that other stuff. (laughs) But God tells the disciples and he tells us, this is my son, listen to him. So what's the next thing that Jesus says? His disciples are on the ground in fear. And he says, get up, don't be afraid. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it when someone tells me to stop feeling the feeling I am feeling. I rarely find it helpful. (laughs) Have you ever had someone come up to you while you're upset and they say, Aw, don't be sad. Like, oh, okay, it's just that easy. I just won't be sad then, you know, for you. Do you guys remember that awful, don't worry, be happy thing from the late 80s? Yeah. I hate that. (laughs) Just telling someone, don't worry, like, it's not great. You know, not if you aren't following it up with the reason not to worry. But to follow don't worry with the task of being happy. That's terrible. It's a terrible thing to say to someone. It's mean. I'll brook no argument on this. Don't come up to me after church and try to explain to me why that song's great. 
And if I've just ruined that phrase or that song for you, like if you're sitting there stewing, like, how could she do this? Well, aw, don't be mad. (laughs) Do you see how that's not helpful? (laughs) So if you're the kind of friend who tells people what they should feel, like maybe stop doing that right now. And maybe learn to listen instead. That has, that's a freebie that's really not part of the sermon, but, but do that. Start living that way. <laughs> Jesus says, get up and don't be afraid. And the ESV Bible puts it like this, rise and have no fear. And I admit, I like that a little bit better. And I liked it so much that I put it in big letters on the front of my notebook this time. Mm-hmm. Rise and have no fear. Now, not only do I not like it when someone tells me to stop feeling the feeling that I am feeling, but I also don't like talking about fear. Because, first of all, I don't want to admit my fears out loud. I don't want to be vulnerable. And uh, secondly, I have this, like, ridiculous, like, superstitious attitude about fear, like if I acknowledge the fear, right, then the fear knows that I know, that I'm afraid, and it's going to get bigger, right, it's going to get bigger and bigger, and uh, yeah, and that's, that's ridiculous, and that's uh, irrational, so don't live your life that way, <laughs> so I want to gloss over the fear part, but I, I won't, uh, so I will confess to you one of my 6,000 fears, so that I can brag about how God has walked me through it so far. Um, A huge fear I've been wrestling with in the last, let's say, three and a half years is preaching. (laughs) I am terrified of preaching. I know, you don't believe, but hear me out. First of all, public speaking is hard. And it wasn't anything I ever wanted to do. And secondly, writing isn't easy. And the only experience that I had had with writing <laughs> was a blog where I just used to make fun of stuff all the time. So it's not really the same kind of writing. <laughs> and uh, third of all, um, I never wanted to be in ministry. It wasn't on my list of things to do. That's why I went to art school. Uh, I don't have an education So I have all of this fear because of my inadequacies or what I perceive as a lack. But God, he asked me to do this. And I said, yes, but only if you uh, help, you know. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I really thought, you know, that when I said yes, that I would, um, that then I would go to a seminary or Bible college, you know, something online. And, um, and I asked God several times, like, okay, now when am I going to school for this? And he was like, yeah, no. Which I took as like, not yet. <laughs> you know. And, uh, and so I'd asked often, and, um, and I was not catching on. Like at one point, every time I'd go to sign up for these classes online, the website would break. You know, and I went every day for three weeks. And then after three weeks, you know, I was like, fine, I get it. You know, it took three weeks. After three weeks, they posted a thing like, sorry, our website's been down for three weeks. But we finally fixed it. Yeah. I was, no, I'm not, I'm not. I was slow. I was slow. 
So finally, you know, I was kind of frustrated. I was like, well, Lord, when am I going to school then? You know, like, let's, let's figure this out. And I said, I can't keep doing this without school. Like, that's how dumb fear makes you. You're like, I can't keep doing the thing I've been doing for a year without school. And he said, you just want to go to school so you could get a certificate that validates you. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Oh. Oh. So, anyway, I'm not quite as afraid of public speaking as I was. And writing is very time-consuming. But, um, but, you know, I have ten of these books at home filled with sermons, so I know I can do it. Yeah. Like, I can see it. Yeah. But I still struggle with thinking that I'm not a real pastor or a real preacher, right? A trusted school has not deemed it so. (laughs) So, um, I'm not good enough. That's the fear. That's the fear. I'm not good enough. And uh, like I said, fear makes you ask stupid questions. And if they're not stupid, they're just questions you haven't um, thought through first, right? Kind of like, do you want me to build three tents? I'll build one for you and one for you and one for you. So, um, so I did ask God, I said, you know, will I ever be good enough? And um, that question is so desperate, like, it was gross, <laughs> right? Especially when I'm asking about a thing that I'm already doing, you know, for years. So I thought I'd, I'd you know, wise up. And I got a little bit of confidence, right? And I was like, well, when will I be good enough, you know? Uh, still no answer on that. So I got a little more bold, and I asked God, am I good enough? Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he responded with, um, why don't you ask better questions? <laughs> and that's not the first time I've gotten that, and, and that's a great, like, I love this response because it means when I do ask a better question, he's got the answer, and he's going to share it with me, you know? So I, I didn't hate that answer. But it made me think, you know. So, uh, not too long ago, like, I'm so ashamed at how last week this was. Um, <laughs> I asked, okay. <laughs> oh, that was so helpful. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Um, I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. My vocabulary is not uh, jiving with yours. Like, it's not good enough. That's not the phrase that I should be looking for, you know. So I said, what am I? Like, I'm not validated by uh, men, mankind, but you have legitimized me. So what am I? And he said, Jamie, you are loved. And my fear melted away, right? And uh, 
that pressure that I put on myself melted away. And it's not about being good enough, and it's not about being unworthy. But it's about God's love, and he doesn't withhold his love from us until we're good enough for it. His love is perfect, and he gives it freely, whether we remember it's available or if we forget because we're too busy being afraid. Perfect love casts out fear. And when Jesus says, have no fear or don't be afraid, his words have power. And fear leaves. And the disciples get up and they walk down the mountain chatting with Jesus, right? He touches them and says, don't fear. And they just get up and just start chatting, you know? Moments before, they were, they were face down. And I love the bit at the end where Jesus tells them, like, don't tell anyone what you saw until, you know, I'm raised from the dead. And I'm sure they were thinking, like, like who would believe us anyway? You know? Because, like, when the three get back and the others are like, what happened up there? Like, Jesus turned into light. And Moses was there. Like, all right, look, if you didn't want to tell us, just, like, just say so, you know? <laughs> yeah. So here's... Here's what you can take away from this. Listen to Jesus. It's good instruction for all of us. And you can start this by reading the Gospels, right? Because if you don't read what he says, then you won't recognize his voice when he's talking to you. Mm-hmm. And second, God loves us. Yeah, not for what we have or haven't done, but because we are his sons and daughters. And that makes us family. And in a minute, we're about to uh, have communion together as family. And then after that, if anyone needs prayer, we'll pray for people on the green carpet. If you have any fear, come get prayer for fear and, um, and anything else that you need. But don't leave here hurting or afraid. And uh, let's pray. Father, you are good. And your love amazes us. And you give it to us so freely. And we want it. Thank you. And we're sorry uh, when we let fear inside of us and take up space in our lives. We would rather have your love. And Jesus, thank you for showing us how to live. And thank you for pouring out your perfect blood so that uh, God looks at us like he looks at you. And Holy Spirit, will you help us to listen better? We want to recognize the voice of our Savior, Jesus. So will you help us to obey? Thank you. We love you, God, and we trust you because you love us more than we can comprehend. Amen.